Trash Film. This is the show that seeks to prove that already and trashy movies have a lot in common. You don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we will take this week's Spielberg movie and pair it with something artier or trashier and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, are somewhat entertained by us. I'm one of your hosts, Nick, and with me, as always, is the epic nail to my hand ratty. Aaron is here. Hello. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I love that it's impossible to say Hanratty's name without Hanratty <laughs> doing that fucking act. Is it Boston? I have to assume. Is that what it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, very surprising to hear Tom Hanks' voice in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll talk about what movie this is in just a moment. But uh, I definitely didn't understand what his name was until I saw it written down. And was like, oh, okay. There were more consonants <laughs> yeah. than I was expecting. It definitely takes like hey. half the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good. It is good. And you obviously know what we're talking about here because this title of the episode. You just saw it when you press play. We are talking about To Catch Me If You Can. To Catch You If We Can. <laughs> oh <my laughs> catch- Do you know what the title <laughs> of the movie is? I didn't write it down for some reason. <laughs> So confident. I wrote down everything but the title. <laughs> the title of the movie is Catch Me If You Can. Thank you so much. Special Agent Hanratty, FBI. Hello, Carl. You're going to get caught. It's like Vegas. The house always wins. Some nuts flying around the country posing as a pilot. Call him the James Bond of the sky. Hello, pushy. He's a kid. That's why he doesn't have a record. Ma'am, I'm sorry to have to tell you your son has fought you checks. I have a payroll check here I'd like to cash. I'm looking part-time at the church now. Just tell me how much yours and I'll pay you back. $1.3 million. <laughs> to catch 22 of a man. That's what we're talking about this week. <laughs> to catch a thief 22. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it's off to a good start this week. Good Mwah. stuff. Uh, this is, of course, our second week of doing uh, Summer of Spielberg movies, all about them blockbusty types. Yeah. There are a few people who are like doing Spielbergs right now, uh, some of our podcast friends, and it's yeah. just, it's always good. It's never not good. It is amazing to like, when we were talking about putting this together, just like, well, let's do these four. Well, what about these other six? No, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just pick your top four. Okay, but like, which kind of top four, Spielberg? <laughs> like, what what category of like, the best Spielberg's ever done? Like, <laughs> in, And I was going to mention this off the top. I feel like this movie is when he moves into dead thriller phase from like, sci-fi guys. <laughs> phase yeah adapting a like a book a you know paperback thriller type yeah. Of thing. yeah big airport buy book yes, i have to yeah. assume <laughs> although i guess jurassic park was also mm. a paperback thriller but like it's true you it's know. been remarkably consistent mr spielberg has well done yeah. i have never seen tinker taylor soldier spy but i assume i have seen it based on watching this movie <laughs> did he direct that i think so oh okay but here's where you know I just know stuff about this movie uh, in his dad phase. Yes, so. yeah. <laughs> and that's the reason it's on for this week. Uh, the screenplay is by Jeff Nathanson. It's based on Frank Abagnale Jr.'s 1980 book of the same name. Yes. Uh, we got Leo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks with a silly voice, Christopher Walken with a regular voice, <laughs> Amy Adams with a silly voice, Martin Sheen with a medium silly voice. <laughs> Uh, Nathalie Bay with, I believe that's her regular voice, so we got two in there, Leo okay. and her. Too normal. Well, Leo sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and a nice breezy uh, John Williams score in there. Yeah. Just a little... I love the score. Yeah. It's so, like, unexpectedly, like, returned to his jazz roots yeah. and... But really, like, rich and full of interesting parts. Yeah, I feel like it's... 
you would say it's inconsequential compared to other John Williams things, but like if this was somebody's best score, you'd be like, wow, that was a really good score. Good job, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into what happens when we try to catch things if we can. <laughs> Spoiler, sometimes we can't. <gasps> and sometimes we can. Ah, ah. <laughs> so the cold open here, the like the game show that's happening. Do you know what this is? I had to look up what it is. Uh, I don't know if it's a real game show or not, but I know that they used to do this weird, I don't know. This wasn't uncommon, right? Mm. Where they would take, like, they would make celebrities out of moderately famous people. Oh, yeah. For, like, they, yeah, it would be a draw to have them on your TV show or whatever. Well, the, this exact, uh, what is it called? Uh... Didn't write that down either. I'm doing great so far. Uh, <laughs> two The whatever this to tell the truth, I think is what it's oh, called. Oh yes, yes. Uh, it is a. It was a real game show. Oh, okay. Which I didn't realize. Okay. And it's you have three celebrity contestants who try to guess who it actually has the identity of the person that they're talking about. Right. Okay. So you'd have to guess like which one is the right Frank Abagnale yeah. of of these three jolly jokers. Yeah, and this was like a real episode of TV. You can watch it on YouTube. I meant to, and I didn't, so. Like Frank Ab- Abagnale Jr. was on this show? Yep. That's he amazing. had an episode about it, which we'll talk about later. Okay. Yep. Uh, that's just, so weird. Okay. It's bizarre. And that's the reason that it leads it off, because for the most part, I think that's how most people would have encountered him. Mm, sure, sure. Or any of his other huge TV appearances at the time. Okay, but. so it was very like, so you might remember this TV show, yeah. now hear the story behind the man. Exactly, okay. yeah. So it's all like... We never returned to the TV show, so we... <laughs> yeah, yeah. who won that episode? Well, I can that tell you now, un- nobody oh. guessed the right Frank Abagnale. Oh, shut up. Oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> you fooled them all. He sure did. <laughs> okay. Uh, or the other two were just excellent actors. Who can say? I certainly can't because I didn't watch it. I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> but this, we uh, dive into the now, I guess, of the universe, which is uh, in jail and very sick. And we get lots of hand ratty shouting, and this is where, for the like, no idea what Emily says for a long time because it takes time half to adjust. Half French to... and half Boston, <laughs> yeah, both equally indecipherable. <laughs> it's what is it, 1969 or something? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then we tell most of our story in flashback, a classic storytelling trope idea. Well, then it's like a double flashback if yeah. you're taking this movie as like the presentation is the episode of TV, and yeah. then we get a flashback to how he ended up being a candidate for being on this show, and then we get a flashback to how he turned into a candidate. I was going to ask you this later, but I, let's talk about it now. The, do you feel like this is the dramatization of what's being said on the TV show? Like, do you take it as that? Mm, I forgot about the TV show immediately, so <laughs> like, no, I guess is my answer, but I mean, you might be getting into this later, but like... This is based on Frank Abagnale Jr.'s book. Yes. This is whatever he says it is. Who who fucking knows if yeah. any of this is true? Like, some pieces you know, you know are true from Hanratty's point of view, but, like, mm. it, this is all just a story yeah. from the guy who wants to make himself look, like, pretty so cool, cool, you know? <laughs> so I like it as a... I didn't think of it as the the TV show mm. framing device. I thought of it as a, like, maybe, you know, Abagnale Jr. is, is like, recollecting these things while in jail, while, like, mm. hallucinating because he has pneumonia and is dying or whatever. Oh, yeah. That could be another way to look at it. Just yeah. Like, I remember when I was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I really like the framing device is not, um, it doesn't feel very strict to me. Mm. 
I know I don't feel it in the moment, but I like it. It feels like a tidy thing if you're like, oh, it's him saying it on the TV show. Totally. Which the TV show episode is from 1977. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So quite a bit later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So we'll talk. I do have some stuff about real Frank for later. So look forward to that. Um, But then we do a double flashback and go back to 1963. And we learn about his life in New Rochelle, New York with uh, Frank Abagnale Sr. and his French mother, Paula. Uh, He sees his dad run some little scams and gets inspired, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Some light scamming. Yeah. Little light scamming never hurt anybody until the IRS comes yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, it it really it feels like victimless crime type stuff where yeah. it's just like it's the banks they're just getting money pumped into them by the Fed like it's fine you know yeah and that's what in the movie universe and what Frank McNeil Jr. real life universe says is like yeah all my crimes were like institutions not. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're scamming Delta or you're scamming like banks yeah. or huge hospitals or whatever. Yeah. And I know I like watching this opening, like the, I think this is like prologue where it's like getting mm. to know the dad and before the cons actually start happening. Sure, sure. And I know I had a like a real, yeah, yeah, I get it. I know what we're doing, whatever, whatever. But by the time he starts doing scams, I'm like, yes, the, everything is justified. All of your things against the institutions because they were mean to your daddy. Like it just feels so <laughs> yeah. like. Slotted perfectly in place. Spielberg being a real emotional... Emu- emotional... Nope. Nope. There's no M Three, in Three, four, three. Emotionally manipulative uh, little storyteller. Yes. There we go. I mean, I do think it's it's a real good... I think people tend to... I know I did before I rewatched it. Think of it as a, like a light, you know, kind of a fluffy Spielberg. Hmm. But it really is that core Spielberg thing of like, the family is such a fragile institution. Yeah, Spielberg putting his divorce on screen again yeah. for the like 16th time or whatever. We get it, dude. <laughs> Um, yeah, it so works I, every time, God damn him. <laughs> it's always manipulative and it always works. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's it's such a good like, well, you can't, you know, it's all mixed up. Like, you can't do that to my daddy. <laughs> or And by extension, you can't do that to me. Like, he yeah. seems sees himself as his mother's protector once yeah. his mom and dad separate and like... It's very like, well, this is the family unit, but also I'm the most important part of it because he's still a teen, right? Yeah. So he's very self-centered about it. And I'm very emotionally stunted, like the the yeah. that his entire life is predicated on, I'm going to get my mommy and daddy back together is... Rough. Wild. Yep. Yes. Wild and rough. Not a good start. No. Uh, and speaking of not a good start, uh, his parents get divorced, he runs away, like we said, he starts scamming to survive. Uh, and eventually we get the Pan Am montage of him making the payroll checks. So funny. I love it. All those toy, uh, planes in the bathtub. Yeah. Oh my God. He like very painstakingly like, you know, gets the little sticker off of the back of a Pan Am plane toy that they give out to kids or whatever. And once that works, you just see like 85 of them in his apartment. Like, yes, let's start this assembly line. So for like frame of reference when it shows all the checks kind of laid out on the floor yeah based on what he's cashing them for that's supposed to be like roughly thirty eight thousand dollars in checks sitting oh, okay. there so that's it's not nothing that's, that's in, pretty good in 60s dollars <laughs> yeah. that's like for a 16 year old too yeah. yeah you could buy several 16 year olds with that yes. <laughs> uh but then we enter carl hanratty for real and they meet in the hotel room and he yes. pretends to be the Flash, Barry Allen. <laughs> Such a great bit of like 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's it's so interesting. The I I there there's a study or something. I can I can try and find it, but knowing what happens in the movie, like quote unquote spoilers. Mm. Um, can actually increase your enjoyment of the movie. Yeah. Like, oh, how are we going to get there? And so the movie opens with like him in jail, like being, you know, yeah. Hanratty has found and jailed him. <laughs> how do we get there? And so every time they almost cross paths, you're like, oh my God, is this going to be it? Oh my God, oh my God. Um, it works perfectly for these like suspense thrillery scenes. Totally, I feel like. yeah. yeah. It's very just like, okay, what, you know, I don't know. It's it's a very like Leo is a very charming actor, and mm-hmm. and you understand that people are more likely to assume you're telling them the truth than yeah. not. Like how well, would society function if if we all assumed everyone was lying, right? And that's a, a very common sociological yeah. frame of like research. I but. feel like this is a huge '60s thing too. Of like mm. we're learning about lying as a society yeah. for the first time, and <laughs> even though that's all America has done forever. Like, if you... There's no way... I Out of curiosity, I was like, oh, where is, like... Where is Abigail Jr. on, like, the list of, you know, America's top ten fucking con, con artists? There are thousands. It's oh, yeah. actually... Impo- like, thousands of famous ones. Yeah. Like, like wildly famous. Like, has a book or multiple books written about them. It was, like... It's a whole goddamn genre of, like, yeah. literature from the 30s to, yeah. like, 2000. Like, I feel like it is a... Wait, America's lying. What if I tried lying? Yeah. Like, me, the little guy. <laughs> well, and this is exactly Frank's thing, right? It's like, well, no one's taking care of me, so fuck it. I'm out for myself. Like, yeah. why not literally who is stopping me? Oh, turns out nobody. Until the FBI. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but you combine that with the, the speaking of studies that we're not going to provide sources for, yeah. the, um, the study on how, like, people are more likely to believe attractive people. Right, exactly. But, like, yeah. you, t- you put Leo in there and, like, just smiling and being charming. And it was like, yeah, he's probably. Okay, probably fine. True. Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a great scene for just like okay, mm. these are these two. I feel like everything that flows from that afterwards is Henry being embarrassed that he got taken so Big easily. Time. You yeah, know? he almost like he was holding the fucking wallet in his hands and was like, "Nah, this guy's cool. Like, I'm a good judge of character." Yep. And then to just be embarrassed up and down the block about it, <laughs> like I'm gonna make this my next decade. Yes, and it does become that. Yeah. And I love the cut too. After this is, I think when uh, he promised his FBI agents popsicles. If if they like waited for him in the oh, car or yeah. whatever, and then <laughs> it cuts. Bar treats, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it cuts to them eating good bars. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dopes. I love it. Uh, I love how little respect he has for the rest of. Again, like the rest of his department, Hanratty's department, mm. thinks he's a fucking nerd and like a pencil pusher. Like, oh, bank fraud. <laughs> oh, so sexy and cool. Like FBI agents who clearly got into it to like shoot a gun, right? Yeah, and like his buddies are like flunkies basically yeah. that got stationed with him like meatheads yeah. and so he's like fine if you're not gonna respect me i'm not gonna respect you it's very like okay well fine i'm just gonna redraw the world to be like no i have to take care of myself <laughs> actually yeah works both ways yeah they're, they're, very, they're very good very foils similar. for each other. oh yeah. my god it's almost like there's not that much difference between a criminal and a law enforcement person <laughs> You're blowing my mind right now, <laughs> Is this the first you're hearing about Holy this? Holy fuck. I feel like this is probably the closest we get to Steven Spielberg specifically being like, fuck you know what? Cops? cops aren't great. <laughs> yeah, maybe. While still making dad movies? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he manages to thread the needle somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we still got the like, but there could be a good cop. Yeah, there's a single one. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll make section chief one day. <laughs> it's his little office. Anyway, great scene. Yes, yes I love that's the like... I feel like everything leading up to that, it's a, it's a, 
forget how funny this movie is. It's very funny. Yeah. But everything leading up to that scene feels like build up, and that scene is the crux of like, okay, now this movie is real good. Yes, now the chase is on. Yeah. Yes. The attempting catch of if he can. If he can. Cut this out. Is... No good. <laughs> I will not. I'm going to keep trying to like metamorphose this into a, another saying. but By the end of the episode, you'll be able to say the movie's title. I, I don't, can't wait. Let's not make any guarantees we can't pay off. Let's not cut any checks we can't cash. <gasps> That's like the movie catches a can. Nope. <laughs> you looked so scared. I did. I feel scared. I'm, I'm blushing about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, but... The, here's where, like, oh, smart characters doing smart things. Uh, Frank Abigail is like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I'm going to masquerade as another thing. And he becomes mm. Dr. Frank Connors, pediatrician. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what a funny, again, like, you're not going to second guess somebody who, like, takes care of kids. Mm. That's not a, you know. We've learned to <laughs> scrutinize that now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's working as the night pediatrician. Yeah, which... It's weird. (laughs) Which sounds like an amazing comics run on its own. (laughs) Barry Uh, Allen, night pediatrician. uh, I love the runner throughout the the story, too, that never really has a lot of payoff, but it, like, lends the, like, oh, this is a real-life story credence of uh, Hanratty learns that he's just stealing comic character names. Right, And that leads him to be like, oh, he's a kid, as opposed to an adult. And, like, that's the most we get out of it. But it's just like, yeah, it's there for the rest of the movie. I like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I I do really enjoy the, um, like, you know, this guy is very clever about some things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, how... He knows how people see checks or, like, it's all in the presentation, right? And and the things that they look for and and he's very good at manipulating that. But he's not smart enough to think up, like, a name that doesn't already exist mm-hmm. and that could lead them to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he... So Frank Abagnale Jr. claims to, in real life, mm. have a photographic memory, but he says okay. that it is kind of a... He relied on it too much. We're like, oh, yeah, I've got this memorized. And then he'd go into a situation and be like, what the fuck? I can, like, parrot it back, but I have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, okay. And, Which will get you a certain distance, for sure. And, but then it brings you to the scene, like, a uh, kid with a broken leg. And he's walking up like, uh, do you concur? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because. unable to actually perform in the moment. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Having all this, like, no, no, I know the I know the facts, but it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. yeah. I do enjoy, too, when he's pretending to be the doctor and he's, like, he meets Brenda. So Amy Adams, like, light-breaking Amy Adams in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they fall in love and stuff. But he uh, is still, like, forging payroll checks in his office the whole time. <laughs> just, just like, dude, come on, don't get too busy. <laughs> do Just some light forgery <laughs> to keep me busy. Yeah. And again, like, it's, it's a real... Don't think about this too hard, because otherwise you'll realize that hospitals are not secure places. Mm, yeah. And, like, it just relies on us all being chill about some stuff. The honor know? system, yeah. yeah. Good shit. Yeah. Uh, he falls in love with Brenda, like I said, so he goes and meets the family, which I... Feel... I how old is she? What's I, going on here? I would guess she's, like, 18. Do you think so? Do like, 18-year-olds get braces? Okay. Back then, yeah. But we like, don't have, like, Invisalign and stuff. No, true. It just, it's such a, like, I was like, oh, a 14-year-old is, like, a grade schooler's working at the hospital? What's happening? Like, what what age, maybe, like, 16 to 18, where you could yeah. work as a desk nurse? I think so. That Does seems right to me. Does she have training? 
it seems like no, but again, maybe not yes, a g- okay. bad in the moment kind of thing. Not a good setup. Okay, all right. I get it's it's either weird that he is in love with her because she's too young, or she's too old to have braces. It's one of those things. <laughs> but if you'd believe the Dr. Frank Connors lie, he says he's like 30 or something like that, or like 20s. Right, is, sure. So like, want to search some uh, age gap discourse. There you go. <laughs> I do not. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Uh, fun fact too, uh, the hilarious kissing that she does on him. Uh, the way that <laughs> and it is on him. On him, yeah. Spielberg said to her the direction for that scene was, I just want you to imagine, like, he is a big sloppy cheeseburger and you are so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so did he put her on a desert island <laughs> for, like, three weeks and then... <laughs> Preparation for this one scene. <laughs> imagine him as a cheeseburger. That's why oh, she's that's... <laughs> licking her chops. She's picturing a cartoon cheeseburger talking to him in a doctor's yeah. uniform. <laughs> Oh, Steven. Cartoon man. Uh, it worked, though. It did that work. makes me laugh and laugh when I see that happen. <laughs> so uncomfortable. I love uh, it. So funny. Um, but he goes on, meets the family in Baton Rouge, oh. and uh, just casually becomes a Louisiana bar lawyer, and he sucks at it, as we see. <laughs> But he passed the bar. There's your photographic memory. Sure. Um, that is a good case for... Yeah. yeah. Okay. So these lovely kids get married or engaged, I guess. Yes. And uh, because <laughs> the family is like a real stereotype, what I picture a southern lawyer to like live <laughs> in. And like they got the big um, plantation house. And yeah. They're, they're like, they're awful rich. Like capital yes. A-R. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there. It's a real like no, no problems will ever befall me yeah. ever again, and so my brain doesn't get the exercise it needs. So they, yeah. So they uh, do the like coming out, um, announcing the engagement party, everything. Right, right before this yeah. too, I love I love this bit where he, I think he really like he wants to unburden himself. Mm. Abignail does. And he says right to her father, like, I am not a, I am right. not a doctor. I was never a pilot. I am not, I was never a lawyer. All I am is a guy who loves your daughter. That's yeah. it. I'm none of those other things. Yeah. And like, he's really, I think he really is trying to be like, please help me. Like, take <laughs> this responsibility away from me of keeping up this facade. And the dad is like, I know what you mean. I just love my wife too. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's but it's the I feel like this is why there's any empathy for his character whatsoever mm. is he want like he's calling he's not trying to hurt people and he's calling hand ready every Christmas you see how lonely he is and that like he kind of wants to get caught because he doesn't want to keep doing this he yeah asks his dad to tell him to stop uh, yeah yeah it's a real like save me from myself totally scenario yeah yeah well the whole well I mean well maybe I'll talk about it at the end but mm. yeah it is really just this like the whole movie is a cry for help yeah, <laughs> but God it's it unfortunately really fun like it is you yeah know, for him I don't know. but i think he knows that it's temporary like you can see you, think? you can see that there's an understanding of like oh this can't go on forever i think he hopes it can't go <laughs> on forever yeah because like the the all the scamming portion of this movie takes place over two years i think like right. this is yeah. a he that's a busy couple years yeah. <laughs> you gotta stay on the run <laughs> Keep moving. Uh, uh, so we get the engagement party. It's a real to-do, and Hanready oh, nice. shows up uh, and chases 
Abagnale away, and I really like the the ridiculous scene of him showing Brenda all the money and yeah. being like, "We got to run away right now," and she's not picking up on the like, "I lied to you" thing. Yeah. yeah, she's having the rug pulled right out from under her. I feel like did Amy Adams do a lot before this? This is probably like her. I don't know. Maybe not big break, but like more of a higher profile than she had previously. What year is this movie? Two thousand and two. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Because it feels like a real. This is a small part that she mm. she absolutely kills it. I love every time yeah. she's on screen. She's so funny. <laughs> she's she's so very funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's probably true. She's very memorable. Like, oh, honestly. yeah. Yeah. I think I watched this like 10 years ago and I was like, no, he he like the the one the like turning point is he meets this girl and mm. wants to settle down with her. Yeah. 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 I just. Yeah. Shout out, Amy Adams. Woo. You're doing the work. As always. <laughs> Avid listener, Amy Adams. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, before he escapes, he asks Brenda to meet him at the hospital. They set up this meet. Oh, <laughs> just picturing hospitals. <laughs> You're getting confused now, too. Uh, there's too many scams. I can't mm-hmm. keep it straight. Uh, yes, meet me at my ma- Miami International. <laughs> God damn it. Miami, Miami International, as it's known. Uh, They're in Louisiana. <laughs> that's right. Uh, two days later, which this is a real, like... How the fuck did, did they they barely even set a time or exact place? I know. Terrifying. He's, he's like repeating these instructions to her and seeing the look on her face, I'm like, this isn't enough information. She's going to, no. I am her in this scenario. Yeah. I'm just like, no, but like, <laughs> what? what gate? Like, do yeah. I have gates there? What should Is... I wear? Do I need to be undercover? <laughs> How what, much should I pack? are you? Yeah. <laughs> what should I pack? Do I need to bring any snacks? Are you going to be hungry? <laughs> bring a sweater? Do they like you can take water through the gate now? I don't. Where are we going? I need to know how to dress. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Brain just shutting down from stress. Which it, yeah, and then it, when Hanready gets into the room, she is like having a panic attack in the corner. Like, yeah, this is all the right reaction to have. Correct. Yeah. Such a good the little dollar flitting out from below the <laughs> the door. That's so funny. Such a great little shot. I love a that. Little cartoony. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of cartoony, I skipped over the opening credit sequences. So great cartoony oh. credit sequences. Yes. I love yeah. It. They're Super very fun. good. A good, like, we're about to, you know, none of this is quite real. Yeah, <sighs> setting the tone in a wonderful way. Yeah. Anyway, just while we're doing shout-outs, so cartoons and Amy Adams. There you go. Mid-episode shout-out sign. <laughs> uh, so he uh, reassumes his pilot identity, Mr. Mister Abagnale, to go and pick up Brenda. And uh, she turned on him as he sees it. And uh, I suppose, yeah. I, yeah, the... I mean, the FBI broke down the door and she was standing there holding like $2,000. What do you think is going to happen? She has not a single experience lying. Like, you're no, <laughs> you are toast. Yeah. So he uh, does the next best thing, which is pass himself off as like presenting Pan Am at a university where he recruits a bunch of women. Like a career fair, yeah. yeah. He pulls this together surprisingly quickly, too, yeah. right? It seems like it takes place over maybe two days. Oh, I was going to say like six hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where do you get all the uniforms? Yeah, that is. this is where it starts to break the reality of it for me. We're like, I could believe a lot of the true story stuff, but then we get here and it. I feel like it's even shot to be like... The shot of uh, them getting out of the car all uniformed together. Yeah. It looks fake in a way that <laughs> the rest of the movie looks not fake. It's something about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, like a real crux, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I am willing to believe that at worst, he just fucking stole a bunch of shit. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure he knows how. Yep. 
pick it up and take it away. Yeah. Yep, that's how you get it. If you walk confidently or and hold like a clipboard or something, yeah. nobody will stop you for most places. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. We're we're all black. Yeah. And people will be like, ah, oh, that's a We have a lot of experience <laughs> with this from gigging. Like if you're just dressed in all black and you look like you have a tool or a purpose of some kind, very few doors are closed to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we are not liable for anybody attempting to get into, into doors wearing all black. Do not link into our activities and do not attempt any activities of your own. We'll scratch your back, you scratch ours by not looking at each other's backs. Yeah, but it works. He The the pretty ladies distract the FBI agents and he gets on a plane and escapes so the country. Funny. And then we get like, I feel like this is where we get most of our time with Hanratty being an obsessive weirdo. Mm, yes. To your point of feeling humiliated before, like, I can't let this damn kid get away with it. And they really, like, for the FBI, that's it. Like, he escaped the country. It's not their problem anymore yeah. kind of thing. And Henry's just like, fuck that. I'm making it our problem. Yeah. <laughs> in a huge way. Making it everybody's problem. Uh, he tracks him down in France where he's running several payroll schemes out of his mom's hometown. Right. Which, again, like, you could have picked anywhere. You but he's a sentimentalist. He's a romantic. I know. He's... And he kind of wants to get caught. He's yeah. like, you know where I'll be if you want to catch me. He is so happy when Hanready shows up. <laughs> I, I'm guessing it's Christmas. In, and I'm guessing in part because he probably doesn't speak French and he's having a bad time. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, how do you run a scam in a place you don't speak the language? Like, some maybe that could work to your advantage. But, like, if you have to mm. sweet talk people, it seems like yeah. a, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. if he's got the uniform, you got a uniform, you can't really speak the language. You'd be like, well, I'm just an American, here's my check. Like, that's that might be enough for you, like, I don't want to deal with this that's guy. That's true, actually. <laughs> it's the kind of thing, like, oh, fuck it. You don't have to pay your, you know, parking ticket because your license plate is from out of town. Yeah. Fuck it, whatever. Just leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. Uh, but, uh, yep. Henry gets him arrested. He goes to the jail. We meet up with the beginning of this movie. Yes. Where he's got pneumonia in jail and trying to escape. Yeah, this sucks ass. Yeah. This part. I have had pneumonia and you are just done. You mm. are out. And they, they, like, they say he has lice also yes. or fleas. Yeah. yeah. Is that what French jails were like? No. Well, we talked 70s? about this. Maybe. Uh, but I think this is much more of a, like, Henry is talking about how the French want to just outright kill him because well, he is embarrassing them so much. So I'm guessing they purposefully are treating him bad. Okay, but. I see. Like, okay, we'll keep him alive. Maybe. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> it's his fault if he dies. Yeah. He should have had a stronger immune system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> boom, boom. But he gets extradited uh, and Hanratty tells him about how his father is dead and... Uh, she does not take well. No, he does not. He runs through a toilet and out the bottom of the plane. <laughs> as you do. Us. Yeah. <laughs> um, sees his mom is remarried and happy and gives up. And then goes to work for the FBI as a fraud detector guy in order to get out of jail. So trade one cell for another. <laughs> for the desk. And we get the like the climactic little scene of him trying to be a pilot again and Hanratty doing the like... I get it. It's easier to, like, want to believe the lie, want to live the lie. Yeah. Like, that's the, like, hammering at home. Then they're like, buds for life. <laughs> Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> the postscript would have you believe. Yes, right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the postscript tells us about Frank just goes on to be an FBI guy and detects bank fraud and away we go. Yeah, he just turns into, a, like, an office guy. Part of the system that he swore to hate forever. No. <laughs> yep. Yep. The end. He truly got caught if he could. And was. Okay, we're approaching yeah. you knowing the name of the movie. Yes. 
Uh, yeah. Nice. So there you go. This is one that like we threw on as a as a like we hadn't seen it in years. Yeah, and... literally just a like I let's see if this holds up. Yeah, it's a part of a Spielberg that neither of us know as well. I feel like we know him from sure. 90s sci-fi guy. That's or 70s through 90s sci-fi guy. Yeah. So it's nice to just like Curious. jump in and be like, "Wow, a wildly entertaining movie." Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it's such a neat uh it's a, you know, biographies are always fun to mm. do. If you could take like a little creative license and it's already based on a story where people are like, was that true though? <laughs> it makes perfect movie. It is a very, you know, people wish they could do this. Mm, we all yes. wish we could get away with that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, big wish fulfillment mm-hmm. movie. Like, ooh, I wish I could wear a cool, which is exactly how he, how uh, Abagnale starts off. He sees pilots in uniform. He's like, oh, I want to be that guy. Look at how much respect they get. Yeah. People saluting them with their little fake epaulets and <laughs> yeah it's so good goons well i brought a lot of stuff about the accuracy of this movie would oh, you like to talk delightful. about it? i'm sure. not gonna be a this is not a cinema sins kind of conversation because <laughs> fuck that thank that's god not fun for anybody no. uh but this is just more the looking at how it's can the truth of it is considered today sure so uh let's start out with frank abagnale's take on this movie okay what he considers the accuracy of it so Got a big, long quote here for you. Quote, first of all, I have two brothers and a sister. He portrayed me as an early child. In my real life, my mother never married. I never saw my father after I ran away. Uh, I escaped off the aircraft through the kitchen galley, not through the... Toilet. Toilet. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, I thought he stayed very close to the story, but just though pretty much all of that was changed. Okay. Then he mentioned, yeah. Uh, So he also mentioned that, like, yeah, there was, like, an FBI agent on set which of course there was to make sure it was accurate um none of the stuff surrounding christmas happened like him calling him ready to be like okay i want to get caught none of that he he went on to say like yeah of course that was made up i didn't want to get caught (laughs) (laughs) yes this is a what if scenario not a yeah okay so it feels very much like from abigail's point of view the like the emotional core of the story is 100 percent made up but the rest is pretty much bang on yeah okay takes it yeah uh, that's his reaction to the film. And he had like a, just a brief quote about like, the thing to remember is that it is not a biography. This is just a movie. Like, that's, <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, which like, that's a good attitude to have. Yes. However, would it surprise you to learn that in 2021, it was discovered that 100% of everything in this is made up? Uh, yes, it would actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, there was a science um, rep- uh, journalist, Alan C. Logan, Using only public record, like literally prison records and uh, arrest reports and check cashing, like things that put him at a place at a time. Paper trail. That prove that none of this could have happened. What do you mean by none of this? He never committed bank fraud? No. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Let's talk about how he became a con man, because he is a con man. Abagnale is a con man. Uh, so let's talk about how this happened. Okay. I'm doing a real, like, that's the end of the story. Now let's see how we get through it. I'm a real catch you if you could. Mm, Getting better. (laughs) So at 15, Abagnale ran his first con. He racked up thousands and thousands of dollars on his father's credit cards and ruined him financially for life. Jesus. Okay. As a punishment, Frank Abagnale was sent away to Catholic school at 16, never to see his family again. Oof. Literally never, ever, ever saw them again. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) So that's how you make a sociopath. Yep. (laughs) That's a recipe. 
At 16, he runs away from school and enlists in the Navy, but you're not allowed to do that at 16, so he got discharged and arrested for forgery because he forged all of his documents. Sure, sure. (laughs) Uh, After getting out of jail, he stole a car from his father's uh, uh, business friend, and along with the car, a lot of blank checks from his father's friend, Mm. which he used to finance a road trip across the country. Uh, (laughs) And he was immediately caught by the FBI. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Uh, These are extremely teenager things to oh, do. Oh, yeah. This, okay, it feels okay. like a Simpsons episode because I think <laughs> these are all Simpsons episode premises that have happened to Bart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, upon his release from jail at 17, he stole a pilot uniform okay. and uh, began impersonating a pilot. He was caught virtually the same day <laughs> and uh, was jailed from age 17 to 20. Oof. Yeah. A good time to be in jail. Because it's a. Yeah. <laughs> It's a real, like, crossing uh, state lines, committing a felony. That, that'll, is it? Yeah. That'll, okay. That'll up your, your sentencing. Why is that? Like, you commit a crime in a different place you were born, it's automatically worse? No, I think it's literally because you went over state lines, it's now a national f- felony as opposed to a local one. So and if that's he was worse. to impersonate a pilot within his home state, he'd be, f- like, it wouldn't be... Yeah, they'd just, like, charge him with mischief and cut him a fine or whatever. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. All right. So okay. he's really hobbling himself. <laughs> yeah, he picked the worst way to do it. <laughs> so after his... So uh, one of the reasons, one of the things that could happen in Catch Me If You Can could happen is because it purports to take place from his age 16 to 19. So right. we're already past jail. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there is some truth with some of the lies. Uh, after his release from prison in February 1969, he's 20 years old. He again tries to impersonate a pilot. Uh, this is the Trans World Atlantic airline he pretends to be a pilot on. Okay. Uh, there he met Paula Parks, uh, who is kind of Brenda in uh, the movie, is a composite of several women he met throughout his life. Okay. Uh, but the main one is Paula, uh, or yeah, Paula Parks, which is just a fun. It's a great comic book name, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Who he used his impersonation as a pilot to stalk, pretty much. Oh, cool. She wanted him to leave her alone, and he wouldn't. Uh, He met up with her at her New Orleans apartment against her wishing. But as she was leaving, she was, like, leaving town to go visit her family in Baton Rouge. Okay. And as a way to, like, not escalate the situation she was like why don't you come with and meet my family oh at my god at least there'll be other people around i guess yeah uh so he uh meets the family as like mom dad this is my stalker my pilot friend or whatever jesus and here he leaves paula behind forever because the family loves him yes <laughs> eat that guy <laughs> So he's just like, ew, no, and no, please? He, no, 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 uh, he he doesn't want anything to do with Paula now. He loves the parents, and the parents love him. Oh, So oh he moves boy. in. Oh, boy. <laughs> he oh, mo- boy. He moves into their house. Uh, their music I'm teachers. I'm Paula now. Yeah. <laughs> their music teachers who are, like, scraping by. Oh, okay. But they feed him all of the meals. He lives there as just, like... A friendly, handyman-ish kind of... Oh, Paula, you fucked up, girl. <laughs> fucked this up backfired. Uh, but he's out of her hair, so pretty good. I guess. <laughs> what a... Okay. It's impossible to say if it's good or bad. <laughs> uh, uh, he uh, brings home fresh flowers for the family every day. From uh, where? Uh-huh. They uh, introduce him to their, like friends in the community so he becomes like part of the baton rouge business community okay uh 
they are all fast friends until six weeks from his arrival in Baton Rouge, he is rearrested yeah. uh, for vagrancy, which I don't, you had a plum gig, buddy. Why yeah. are you sleeping on a bench? He's what not sleeping at the home of the people who love and feed him? He does, except sometimes where he is a vagrant. <sighs> okay, yep. all right. Uh, upon his arrest, they discovered in his pockets uh, forged papers for a stolen rental car that were, he renamed it for him, so he had stolen sure. that from another state. Again, yeah, <laughs> federal there it felony. Is again. Uh, his falsified airline pilot documents. And uh, he had stolen blank checks from virtually everybody he had come into contact with in sure. Baton Yeah. So it's not that he's good at forging checks. It's that he just happens to get blank ones all yeah. the time. Yeah. And that oh my God. the check forgery, like, FBI department isn't great at this point. Like, you don't have sure. security features on checks yet. I guess you can't, like, yeah. scan them for stuff. Yeah. And, okay. All They're right. literally just, like, watermarked paper at this right. point. Yeah. Well, there's that whole scene where they're like, it honestly, t- like, you have to reference the number on the bottom, and it takes two weeks to find yeah. out whether it's good or not because he's having them flown across the country. Like, he's cashing New York checks in California. And then later on in the movie, they're talking about how, like, so oh, you funny. need just, like, the really industrial printers, and that's kind of what gives you the security stuff. Yeah. You know, it's a great way to circumvent that, just getting a blank check. Because <laughs> yeah. it's somebody else is doing the printing for you. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so that's in 1969 he got rearrested. I think that's April 1969. Okay. Uh, but later that year he gets released on parole. Yeah. Uh, he immediately flees to Europe where he defrauds a few Swedish families, steals some cars, gets extradited, and is banned from ever returning to Sweden until he pays back what's owed. Oh. Uh, Sweden says that to this day he they have not gotten... Still not? Yeah. And it's not like, not a lot of money. <laughs> But apparently the Swedish hold a grudge. Yes. Okay. So that's when in 1970, he's 22 at this point, Abagnale puts on a Pan Am Airlines pilot uniform and okay. starts pulling his first payroll check fraud scam. Okay. Six weeks later, he's arrested in Cobb County, Georgia. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, federal court reports associated with his conviction show that through all of his payroll check schemes through his lifetime... Totaled about fourteen hundred and ninety dollars, not two point five million like what? he claims. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> was he very careful or was he very dumb? Uh, both. <laughs> Amazing. Why? Yeah. Why do this for such like pennies? Such, yeah. Like if you're gonna go for it, dude, go for it. Yeah. I have to assume there are security checks like in place where. He couldn't cash, like, more than 2,000 bucks sure. at a certain, like... Totally. But probably... then, like, hit more than one bank yeah. at a time. It's not rocket science. No. Oh, my God. Um, I love how bad this guy is at this. But to his point, he did escape Georgian prison. Oh, okay. He flees to New York, where four days later, he is caught and sentenced for another 10 years. Is he just walking around with a sandwich board <laughs> that says, I am Frank Abagnale Jr.? I've got fraudulent checks. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me about. <laughs> Ask me how. Bank fraud. <laughs> Uh, so that covers pretty much the scope of the movies, period. Okay. Uh, but the postscript period, where he claims to work for the FBI. Is this not true? No, it is not. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> so, four years later, okay. 1974, he gets released on parole. And uh, he does not want to return to his home state of New York. Okay. Um, something about, you know, I don't want to see my family. Family doesn't want anything to do with me. So the government plops him in Houston, Texas, because they're like, you have no connections to anybody here. So <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> uh, so 
he again posed as a pilot in 1974 to obtain... This is so pathetic. I'm so excited. To obtain a job at Camp Manison, a summer children's camp in Texas, where he was arrested for stealing cameras. Oh my god. (laughs) From his co-workers. Not even from people coming through. Yeah. Like... So he's incredibly stupid. Yeah. Is what we're he's too stupid to know that he's gonna get caught for exactly. Doing these things. He thinks he's so smart. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay. So he gets presented with you can either pay a fine or go back to jail. He pays the fine. Uh, obviously, he gets fired. Um, <laughs> but he goes to work for a Houston area orphanage by pretending to be a pilot with a nondescript master's degree. What? What? What is his plan? What is his plan? I do not know. What his is this tr- weird intersection of, like, children's organizations and pilotry? Having, I don't understand the pilot part. Yeah. Having worked in nonprofits a lot, no one has time for anything. Everybody is so tired. True. That's the one part I can understand. <laughs> so he found a niche. She, All right, he, fine, yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so his job was to find foster homes for children living at the orphanage. Oh, boy. Yeah. Definitely a job you should just give to a rando. So... His, <laughs> Abagnale does have a parole officer. He sees what he's doing, and he is like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> uh, he goes and tells the orphanage about what's happening. He apologizes. He pulls him out. Okay. Uh, yep. Uh, and the parole officer, like, cancels Abagnale's apartment that he lives in and makes him move in with the parole officer. He's like, you are going to live in my garage because it's this or go back to jail. Like, yeah. These are your options. clearly can't be trusted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Frank went to work at Aetna Insurance, where he was fired and sued for check fraud. Um, and that's a, the, all of this took place in a year. Okay. Though a year say, he was released from prison. Yeah. <laughs> and in April 1970. <laughs> well, who is hiring him at this point? Uh, I, I, I genuinely ask, do we not do background checks at this time? I guess not. Like, he, he does have a history in forgery at this point, so he's forging yeah, stuff. Yeah, and a federal record. I am guessing that he is good at forgery, bad at impersonating. That's okay. what I think is going on. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. So you think he's applying for all these jobs under, like, different names? Yeah, probably. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I'm looking at it like, I don't... I don't Didn't give up any proof of yeah. that. <laughs> That's the bare minimum, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, Jesus. So, 1975, things start happening. Okay. Uh, he allegedly approached a bank with an offer uh, explaining that uh, what he had done in his past, basically saying, like, I'm a forgerist. Um, Let me help you, like, crack down on forgery. Sure. I will give a talk to your staff to to tell them how to recognize fraud. Use my powers for good. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, If you find nothing useful in it, fine, I'll just leave. If you do find anything useful out of this, just give me 50 bucks and tell the other banks in your network about my services. Okay. Uh, and with that, he started a career as a speaker and security consultant. On what credentials? Everybody loved his talks. Okay. They legitimately did start finding some stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So he had some. Where would he p- have picked this up? Like, I think the stuff he every... got caught doing. Oh. <laughs> because... So he just had to learn the hard way like 18 times. Yeah, because then... to okay. the movie's credit, it's not him. It's, it was never the banks or the, the, the like, institutions running the checks that found him. It was always the FBI. So it was always that, like, lag that caught him. Yeah, sure, sure. So he's, like, 
get it at the source. You know, this is this is how I got arrested. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. But during this time, he like people have his resumes from this time. Uh, shows that he falsified records stating that he worked at the LAPD and Scotland Yard. What? <laughs> I mean, no one's going to call those people, so fuck it, sure, why not, Ben? Yeah, I know, it's just, that's a real, like, shooting for the fences. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I was the queen. <laughs> go uh, for it, bud. There you go, thinking big. So thinking that he had figured out his goddamn life, yeah. his parole officer said, like, this is great. This is exactly what you should be doing, yeah. helping crack down on fraud, and you're a good speaker. Why don't you, like do more local talks like not just to the banks but to like local communities because like sure. the local grocer doesn't know how to find yeah, a bad check yeah. like do that kind of thing um and and talk about how like you're a transformed man people love those stories and they did he started I'll doing bet. local lectures in houston those expanded into speaking tours that linked him up to a producer who got him onto to tell the truth in 1977 okay in that episode, like I said, nobody guessed who he, the real Frank Abagnale was. Okay. And here is the first recorded instance of him claiming to have acted as a pilot, doctor, college professor, lawyer, and member of the FBI. The this, first time? Yeah. On TV? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's like, he lied a little bit, bit about it here and there, but this sure. is like the big one. <laughs> so like everything that happens in Catch Me If You Can is based on this one episode of Game Show right, TV. Right, right, okay. <laughs> so it is, I'm right. It's him being like, yeah. uh... <laughs> all right. Uh, the journalist who pulled all these public records notes that there is no fact checker associated with To Tell the Truth, so it was uh, very uh, easy to lie there. That is a hilarious sentence you yes. just said. <laughs> uh, but... This gets him picked up on the TV circuit. He appears on The Tonight Show dozens of times, okay. on The Today Show dozens of times, loads of smaller regional appearances. He becomes a, like, talking head celebrity. Sure. Uh, and this culminates in, in him writing To Catch Me If You Can in 1980. Okay. Yeah, so we made it, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> I finally lied enough to write a book about my lying. Yes. That's all, yes. So some think that Frank's lies are based on the true life, quote true, we don't actually know because sure. records, of Ferdinand Waldo de Mera, a master impersonator with a photographic memory reputed to have worked as a naval surgeon, civil engineer, sheriff's deputy, assistant prison warden, a doctor of applied psychology, hospital orderly, lawyer, childcare expert, a Benedictine monk, a Trappist monk, and a newspaper editor, a cancer researcher, a teacher, and the founder of what is now Walsh University in Maine. <laughs> Two types of monk? <laughs> yeah. The first one didn't work, I guess, so he went on the other. <laughs> no one's believing me as Benedictine. Time to go to the Trappists. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my god. What, what like, t period of time is this uh, magnificent bastard 30s from? through 50s? Oh, I think classic. he lived, like, through the 80s. But yeah. his life okay. was story was fictionalized much the same way that To Catch Me If You Can was sure. in the movie The Great Imposter, starring Tony Curtis as oh. the imposter himself. Oh, I gotta watch uh, okay. Released in theaters in 1961 when Frank was 14 years old and an avid moviegoer. Oh, cool. 14, eh? Yeah. Like a year before he yep. gets kicked out of... Oh, my God. Tony Curtis has always been very suspicious of To Catch Me If You Can. You know you're saying to I said it wrong. <laughs> the book or the movie? Or both? Yes. Yeah. Both. Like the book came out and Tony Curtis was like, this Hold is just our fucking, fucking movie. Hold on a fucking second. And no one, that's gotta hurt. Yeah. <laughs> what is that like? 
15 years later, 20 years later, no one remembers a movie. Oh, that yeah, he that's was rough. In. It's 30 years later. No, no, I can't do math. 20 years later. Yeah, you're okay. right. Okay. <laughs> I like Tony Sorry, Curtis. Tony. He's a good actor. I know. Wildly famous actor. And you were about to ask, why did anybody call him out on this shit? Yeah. Well, what it's surprising to learn because nobody paid attention to regional journalism. Because everybody knew he was lying. Oh. But it... His, wasn't cool to go through newspapers. When he was on TV claiming all this stuff on To Tell the Truth, uh, it was all debunked, like, within a year. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty good for the time. Like, there was yeah. no, you know, instant um, fact check. So there, there's a lot of journalists that did a lot of work in 1978. Um, okay. But uh, it gets, like, he never passed the Louisiana bar exam. He never worked as a lawyer. Like, all of this, he claimed to have been a sociology professor, proven that he never did. Yeah. Like, very, very easy. Do you, do you mean, sorry, do you mean that he claimed he claimed he was a professor and he had never claimed that ever? Uh, no, but sorry. He claimed <laughs> that he was a sociology professor on To Tell the Truth, and then it was shown that that was clearly false. Okay, that he was never a sociology yeah. professor. Okay. Yeah. So none of the things he says on To Tell the Truth actually happened. It is proven in 1978. Everybody who lives in those regional newspaper area knows it, because right. what it is is like, Oh, I'm I passed the bar in this small town in Louisiana. The that paper puts out like no, he didn't. But False. It's like a readership it's out of there. like fifty thousand people, not yeah. the millions in America. So nobody pays attention to it. God damn it! <laughs> Every fucking time. Yeah. Okay, wait. So and and just so I have it clear, do you mean like on the TV show he was he he was lying about his claims? I don't think or I understand what that question new is. Like like. Did he go on the TV show and say, I conned people into thinking I was a sociology professor, but he never conned anyone into thinking that? Correct, yes. Okay, I gotcha, all right. That is the way it went. Oh my god, so it is just this fucking, like, Easter egg of lies. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god, he just can't stop. Uh, And Abagnale kept getting confronted with people being like, you know you didn't do that, right? And he, his reply was, oh, people just don't want to say that they got conned. It's so easy, Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. <laughs> and this is about when the story of him being chased by the FBI for his entire life comes about. Right. Because he's like, oh, the reason nobody knows about it is because it's all confidential because the FBI was chasing me. They didn't want this getting out. Right. And I was being chased by Agent Robert Russ Frank, who was a real agent. Okay. And he says, at yeah, Robert. At least he did that yeah, homework. Robert Russ Frank was like stationed in Atlanta where most of my cons were and he was trying to catch me. When it reached out for comment, Frank said, who is Frank Abagnale? I've never been into Atlanta in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to this man. (laughs) Later on, quote, that damn Abagnale uses my name all over the place, but I've never even met the guy. (laughs) That's a, hmm, that's Uh, a break. At at that period of time, the FBI never commented on his involvement or lack thereof with the agency. This is a real, like, if you confirmed that he wasn't working for them, then... That looked bad for some reason. Uh, yeah, fucking, yeah. yeah, sure. So cut forward to the present. In 2018, interview broadcast on PBS, Abagnale publicly criticizes former FBI Director James Comey for his unprofessionalism during the 2016 presidential election. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still alive? Oh, yeah. Oh. In the same interview, he claims that the FBI is concerned that uh, Frank is going to retire. Quote, the FBI always asks me when I'm going to retire because they don't want me to, said Abagnale. Reminder, Abagnale has never worked for the FBI. (laughs) Abagnale still claims to have an IQ of over 140 and a photographic memory. When presented with evidence debunking all of his claims, Frank's response now is, 
you get to a point in life where you go, I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> just got to wait it out until you're too old <laughs> to reasonably remember. I am now. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> he is currently the head of his security consultant firm, which is the fraud watchdog for the AARP. Yeah, that's fucked up. Oh, no. And he currently claims to be an FBI ethics instructor. <laughs> First of all, no one <laughs> believes that's a real thing that exists. Yeah. Second At of all. At least make up a real yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, the FBI and ethics. Yeah, I'm sure they have a position for that. What the fuck? So it is largely now believed that his greatest hoax of all time is the movie To Catch Me If You Can. Yes. I absolutely. can't say it right. Fuck. I'm just going to let it go. It's fine. <laughs> Oh my god, the audacity! This has a real Steven Seagal oh flavor god, to yes. it, where he's like, oh, I was definitely like, I worked for, or I beat up a bunch of Yakuza, and that's, I, but like, yeah, that's what it's <laughs> oh, I have of. an IQ of 180. Like, yeah. But you don't, right? And he's like, you just don't want to admit that I do. Like, okay, man. Speaking in his made up voice about <laughs> made up CIA things. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, that's a fun fact. Steven Seagal's voice is so squeaky that when he started doing movies, they were like, you have to just talk in, like, a whisper or something. Yeah. And that's why he uses, like, tough guy action voice. Yeah, he sounds like the puberty kid from The Simpsons. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I just... It, it just makes you furious where you're like, no one cares as much about you as you do. Why yeah. are you making people's lives so difficult just to... <laughs> feel important ah! but he made a business out of like he I is mean. ludicrously wealthy and it worked yeah it worked yeah. great like he he is a con man he conned everybody into believing that he was a security expert yeah. he's not he's just making up stuff to get secure about so think about that next time you have to do something for your bank yeah every time you do a wire transfer just know that it's in the <laughs> hands of absolute wieners yeah god damn it uh, yeah so but like widely believed that this was his story up until literally last year is the I first mean, time yeah because i honestly think that this uh, journalist i'm gonna read his name again because goddamn dude uh <laughs> alan c logan he yes. like just went on uh like <laughs> cnn or pbs or something and was just right. like here is his arrest record here is the time he was in jail here is his parole record here is right. this infraction here is him being extradited from sweden for defrauding families <laughs> like it's wild how brazen it is but he's still yeah. getting hired as the Right. Uh, yeah. That's the guy. Well, I mean, you've you've kind of you've built up this like bulletproof thing where the more encounters with the law you bring up, the more he's like, yeah, pretty impressive, right? Like you you almost can't that works in your favor at some point where your career is built on I was so good and like I led the FBI on this yeah. chase and like I was such a criminal. Like that's you, what <laughs> I are was you going to say? Such a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> This is like that 30 Rock episode where like a Tracy Morgan, uh, or Tracy Jordan, I guess, um, voicemail leaks and it's just him telling his wife that he loves her so much. He's yeah. like, I can't have this getting out. Yeah, and all the new releases of Catch Me If You Can, it's going to be like, colon, it's actually very easy. Yeah. <laughs> to Catch Me If You... Oh, you're already... Okay, all right. You caught me last year? All right, fine. Oh my god. He is an expert in getting arrested, though. So he... I mean, you can't argue with that. He's got a lot of experience. He's one of our most trusted convicted felons. <laughs> Which, I mean, you can. It, this is... People deserve second chances and all that, very obviously. Totally. But if you're going to take your second chance and just defraud people, then it's not It's not really... And it's not even... <laughs> see, the thing I said at the beginning, now I feel like an idiot because I'm like, no, you're not even defrauding, like, big institutions yes. or anything. You're bilking, like, regular struggling people. He exclusively defrauded poor people, essentially. Yeah, like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> and it is very much a thing where poor people are like people who are struggling are like, what the fuck? Why not? Right? Like, I might as well. Oh my god, what if this is the thing that like gets me financial stability? So yeah. you're extremely likely to fall for that sort of thing if you are already in a precarious position. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck huge. Him. But this is think about that. Anytime anybody's talking about bootstraps or I never oh, did anything I mean, to hurt anybody. Like this is just proof in pudding. Every, they're all like this. So yeah. <laughs> just to like drive my message home a little bit more on that front. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Now, with all that in mind, I was kind of afeard of presenting all this to be like, I hope that doesn't ruin what's a really fun and funny movie. <laughs> I mean, I will take one thing he said as like, this is not my life, this is just a movie. Yeah. Okay, great. I can I can appreciate that. It's a movie about some guy who doesn't exist. Perfect, most movies are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I do like it as a you can take it as it is nonfiction in the way that this is the life he pretended he had. Like, you know, it's You this... are presenting the story he's telling. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So wait, that the postscript thing where it's like Oh, you fully know, made up. That feels wrong. That part feels wrong because when text comes up over like the final shot of a movie, I believe it. Yeah. I've been trained. I trusted you. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Yep. So this movie is you handed it to Abigail on a fucking silver platter. Big this time. is the movie he wishes he had to like. This is perfect. It couldn't. He couldn't have asked for a better movie. It's Abigail propaganda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he. What you're saying, you know what it is? He is now too big to fail. That's ah, what it is. God damn it. God damn it. Okay, it's time for us to start defrauding him. <laughs> Let's see how he do likes it. it. Apparently, he can't stop us because he doesn't know anything about what he's talking about. <laughs> Yes, it's time. Uh, if anyone wants to become a criminal with us. Uh, legal note, we will not become criminals. Um, <laughs> yes, we will. But yeah, Alan C. Logan. Great fucking job, my Thank dude. Thank you. Thank you, regional journalist Alan C. Logan. I, he's a science journalist of all things. But yeah, I just, so I have to assume he watched a catch, catch Me If You Can <laughs> at the beginning of a lockdown and was so bored. And was like, this is, I smell something all right, funny. fuck it. I have some skills. Yeah. Gonna focus all my pandemic rage into <laughs> taking down. And as a regional science journalist, I'm sure he had a lot of rage. <laughs> no, yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> so I hope you enjoyed my talk on Frank Abagnale Jr. today. I'm furious now. Yes, I enjoyed it. Yep. Well, with all that in mind, if I haven't shocked you to your core too much, what's your uh, closing thoughts on this here movie? Uh, now I feel like the thoughts <laughs> I had when I started this episode are different than the ones I'm ending with. <laughs> I think that's such a perfect... I mean, it's it's an absolutely perfect example of how you can just... If you just repeat a story confidently... Mm that's what people will assume is true yeah. and it'll take them a while to a admit they've been conned or b change their minds and like yeah all of our societal systems set up to <laughs> not catch those kinds of people because yeah. you just can't you just you know it would be anarchy <laughs> god damn i mean i i okay my thoughts on the movie itself yes. are that it's such a good a very, again, Spielberg-y portrait of, like, here's how damage to the family can ripple out. Yeah. You know? The effects it has on you throughout your entire conning life. Yes. <laughs> conning or non-conning life. But that this guy, this, you know, presented as 
this very sympathetic character, regardless of actual real life <laughs> example, is he's put into this position where he's been shown like, okay, this is what you do. It's every man for himself. You mm-hmm. have to like take, grab what you can while you can. <laughs> and it does not fulfill him. And he's asking for help and being like, can't I just, you know, he wants the normal suburban happy family yeah. Christmas life. But the way that they got that was by, you know, bank fraud and tax fraud. <laughs> and so he's like, well, you know, the tax fraud is preventing me from having a normal suburban happy life. There's got to be a happy meeting Why? somewhere. Yeah, where did I miss, you know, no one, no one like parented him well. It does feel like, oh, if I just get married to Brenda and we get a house, I'll like just shout bass. And then that yeah, like, exactly. absolves me of all my crimes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you'll get the flag over the line and all that's will be off. Yeah, uh... So it just feels like he's he's trying out different versions of himself to be like, hmm. is this the one that people will like and respect enough to, like, what what if I become this person? Oh, yeah. Do that's... we like that? Is that the path? Uh, what if I become this person? Like, do do we like that? You know, really, like, please help me, like, tell me what I should be doing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, works very much as a coming of age thing, because that is the, like, late teenage, like, oh, I'm going to be all about this one thing for a couple weeks. And oh, then... yeah, and then drop it entirely and be embarrassed that you ever, you know, were doing it. And But instead of teenage friends it's the fbi in this case <laughs> whomst among us yeah uh that's my take on the movie nice yes yeah we're back to mo- let that that rage about the real frank abigail <laughs> simmer underneath our movie discussion now. Yeah. yeah i do like the way that handwriting is presented in, mm-hmm. the, in the movie yeah. though as like very tough love father figure that he did not have right his real father was very like in the movie very <laughs> permissive and very like oh we're friends like we're not father and son we're buddies yeah. like that is a terrible way to <laughs> don't do that um and then you're like you end up with this mini me who doesn't actually like what you're doing and what he's you know what he's being taught and yeah and lashing some, out and yeah there's something about like taking that feeling of just like oh i'm not getting any fulfillment from like and I just got to put the family back together. It's yeah. Just, yeah. But like finding the soft, welcoming bosom of a government job where you're working for yeah. the system that's destroying families like yours. It, it's <laughs> There's some real Ouroboros thinking in there. Yeah. He finally got one over on his shitty dad by going to work for the IRS. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So just this real like, how can I transform myself? Like, what is it that you, you know, how, how can I push through and like... Yeah. What version of me is going to do it? A very, uh, like you said, classic coming of age thing and just a very America thing of like, mm. what what version of yourself do you have to, there are these archetypes that you have to fit into to do the normal suburb family thing, which Spielberg is so good at, like, at, you know, undermining. Yes. Yeah, I do love that about yeah. every Spielberg thing. I feel like this one isn't worn on the sleeve as much as something like a poltergeist or an E.T. Sure, sure, yeah. It's just nice but to see it's it's still there. there. Yeah. <laughs> Always waiting. Much like the IRS. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that's my take on it. Nice. What about you? Well, I... <laughs> Just gonna, it's like super double fictional, triple fictional. It's layered <laughs> so like an onion. Layers of lies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I like, again, just talking about the movie, not worrying about truthfulness of it. I enjoy the enemies becoming grudging mentor mentee sure. relationship that yeah. happens here. Um, yeah, the wayward sheep becoming part of a system that they hate just because they have a skill that can be exploited. Right. Like, it feels very like. <laughs> The the guy being exploited kind of likes it 
it's better than what he had before. It's not good. No. It's sad that that's your only option for feeling good and being stable, like yeah. having a, a steady income. At this but point. that like real combative mentor-mentee energy, sure. I really enjoyed this time around. Really, really worked for me. Yes. These two are really great, like Tom Hanks and, and Leo DiCaprio. Super good together. Yeah. All-time enemy pairing. <laughs> and give me more Tom Hanks roles in a silly voice. I like it a lot. <laughs> well, we're getting one. Pinocchio oh, what are we is getting? very silly. Oh, <laughs> He's Italian in oh, this one. Oh, no. <laughs> Ah, excellent. Well, now it is time for us to take this uh, true or not movie and pair it with another true or not movie, whichever way we want to go with it. Um, Complete with a marquee title if we happen to think of one. I never think of one anymore, but uh, I'm just still going to keep saying that in case one comes to me in the moment. (laughs) Sometimes you you pull some real good ones out of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how about taking us away? Sure. Yeah. I will go first and you can catch me if you can. (laughs) I shall to catch thee if iced could. Nope. (laughs) I am going to, I'm going to put this in the arty slot Mm. of the, you know, it's it's very well directed. It's very tight. It's got this cool little soundtrack, whatever. Um, And it still manages to have that core of like, this is just a kid who needs guidance Mm. and uh, is not getting it and is trying out like, is is like fine fuck it i'm i'm going to you know a very coming of age thing to be like i'm smart and powerful i'm going to fix this <laughs> right and pair it with something that kind of does that but is definitely trashier but they both have that like thing at, at their core i feel like if you like to catch me if you can you might like the one with jet lee from 19 uh 1999 2001 the oh the one <laughs> the one sorry <laughs> The, the film, the one. <laughs> the, I had a hard time parsing that sentence. Yep, which, that's yep. fair. Okay. <laughs> and then I said a bunch of numbers. Yeah. So uh, 2001. <laughs> that's right. Because I know it's a, it's such a like silly little movie with a silly premise, which is just Jet Li is awesome. Is generally the premise of Jet Li movies. Yep. But it's he's um it's a multiverse thing. An and interdimensional Highlander, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. He's jumping universes to kill all other versions of himself and absorb their powers because mm-hmm. Jet Li clearly is awesome in every every universe is the take here. <laughs> but because he's very convinced that like I'm the best version of me, so I'm going to like search and destroy all of the rest of them and become the one. <laughs> and it you know, does not end with him like going gently into the good night necessarily, but it's uh, yeah, it's just a like a schlocky, fun martial arts version of someone really trying to like come out on top and like mm. looking at all these different versions of himself and kind of hating them. Yeah, being like, no, like uh, you know, Motivated who am fully I? By self-loving, yeah. self-loathing, exactly. To, like, kill off as much of me as possible. Yeah. And in Catch Me If You Can, there's that thing of, like, I'm going to become richer and more successful than my dad. I'm going to get my parents back together and, like, be in charge of their lives, basically. Like, it's it's a little sinister if you think about yeah. it. And in the one, Jet Li is just running around being like, no, I'm smarter and stronger than you. I kill you. I take your spot. Like, I'm, I'm going to absorb you because yeah. I'm the best version of me. Um, yeah. And it's much more schlocky science fiction than it is... Yeah, Thoughtful it's... meditation on American family. <laughs> but um, there you have it. I think that would be a fun double bill. And you can definitely start with Catch Me If You Can and finish off with the one. 
Can I give it a name? I have oh a my name god, for... please, yes. I will not go gently into this. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you hear anything I said after the <laughs> phrase gently into the... There was a screaming siren in my ears the whole time. Kill Bill noise. <laughs> I like it. I'll take it, yes. Nice. Oh, wait. Uh... Can we name it, I will not go Jet Leo into this good night? <laughs> I made it worse. Sure. Made it worse. Made it worse. I'll allow it. I'll get him the marquee guy to put an O up there instead of another E. Thank you so much. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's that's mine. <laughs> okay. Managed how can I follow that? <laughs> good fucking luck. Now I know no, how you your... feel after I abignailed your world. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it, finding out someone is a fucking fraud. Getting abignailed to the wall. (laughs) Exactly. All right, what's your double bill? Well, I went in a remarkably similar vein this week. Another trashy martial arts movie to pair with this. Oh, perfect. But for a very different reason. Okay. I am going with a Shaw Brothers movie from the 70s, 1979's Dirty Hua. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce the name. It's written down as Dirty Ho, which is the right. title we all giggle at. Um, it's very funny to find in a bargain vendor. It's just a guy's name. It's not yeah. Yeah. Uh, directed by Lau Kar Lung, who is one of my favorite uh, martial arts directors. <laughs> I like that you made sure people know we're Canadian by pronouncing the U in I, favorite. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Go on. And some of my other favorites, Gordon Liu, Wang Yu, and Lo Lei are all in there. They're all great. Uh, but the reason I'm choosing this isn't just to talk about how great they are. Um, it's a story about Hua, who keeps getting one-upped by Gordon Liu. Right. Um, who over time we realize is a guy in hiding who's trying not to like, who's using his remarkable martial arts skill set to pretend that he doesn't have martial arts because yeah. people keep trying to assassinate him. There'll be things like somebody like throw, shoots an arrow at him and he'll do a crazy flip and land and just pretend like that's how he wanted to walk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I fell down because I'm so old and feeble or yeah. whatever. Yeah. A ton of fun. Amazing so there's your story. con going on. Nice. Um, but the mentor-mentee relationship of Hua is eventually super begrudgingly and unhappily getting tricked into becoming Gordon Liu's um, uh, mentee, his right. disciple. Yeah. Um, very much <laughs> the same relationship we got between our, our two boys and Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Just very, like, hateful, like, you're not my real dad, but yeah. tell me I'm good. <laughs> but I do need one, so... <laughs> and in the end, it's all to benefit the the uh, the system, basically. Remind me how it ends. Uh, so big big spoilers for Dirty, Dirty yeah. Hua, um, is that the guy in hiding is a Manchurian prince who is always the bad guys in right, uh, right, Shaw right. Brothers movies. Uh, and he's in hiding so that he can take over the oh, Empire, Oh, he can basically. go back and, like, reclaim the throne, right, right, uh, right. And he does in the end, and Dirty Hua gets, like thrown out as yeah. like a dirty vagrant basically and that's the end of the movie like it freeze frames over Ta-da. them throwing him yeah. in <laughs> in a classic hilarious yeah, the movie's right. over get out of here Leave. <laughs> oh my god yeah that's right okay yeah. nice so i'm going with yeah really want to look that's at that That's a great one yeah uh, that is you know it's so funny too i the beginning of the movie is like we don't really know who either of these people are yeah. you're just being introduced to them mid con and there's like a jewel and they're both kind of con artists yeah, and, yeah. they sort of like size each other up a bit like uh-oh ter- like territory dispute you yeah. know yeah, oh, that's great. That's a really good one. That yeah. is almost exactly the same energy. Less outwardly aggressive, but that pair, same energy yes. as Hanks and DiCaprio. Yeah, because nice. it's yeah shepherding them in the in the con lifestyle, be it 
how to recognize bank fraud or how to steal jewels and be a secret Manchurian prince. Yeah. These are... <laughs> These are all valid options. the same. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Equally cool. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. Oh, I wish I had a... I'm, I'm just going to call it the Prince of Crime. That's <laughs> what I'm going to name I call it your... Dirty Leo. <laughs> <laughs> That's also fine. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So the end. That's the end of uh, our second week of Spielberg Madness. I think we're getting a real thing going here where if you like Spielberg movies, you'll probably like Shaw Brothers movies well, or like martial arts movies in general. I think there's two things happening here is we are watching a lot of martial arts yeah, movies. Uh, and also Spielberg is just so good at taking a genre and then doing something more special with it than you could have expected. Yes. Which is what the Shaw Brothers are for me, I know. Um, oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. Every time I watch a Shaw Brothers movie, and admittedly, like, the ones that are still circulating and being sold are the best ones. Yeah, I cherry-pick the ones to right. show you very much. <laughs> but it's it's a real case of, like, I didn't think I was going to be, like, hooting and hollering the entire time in this movie about, like, a... a royalty system I don't understand <laughs> with guys clearly wearing glued on beards. Yeah. Like, it's just, it transcends the, the silliness of it. This is teaching me that we'll need to do a bunch of Shop Rose stuff in the in the mm-hmm, future because mm-hmm. you clearly want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Yes, we should. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, so uh, let us know what you think of Catch Me If You Can or what your favorite Shop Rose movies, I guess. Um... <laughs> Yeah, find us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Please rate and review us on your podcast platform of your choice. It legitimately does help people find the show. Yes, especially since Instagram has kind of borked the algorithm. It's not good. And we miss seeing everybody's faces and finding out what they're up to. Yeah. So, Oh, can I do a a shout-out? Please do. Yeah, I want to do a shout-out for The Good, The Pod, and The Ugly, which is a film podcast. Um... They do seasons that cover, like, you know, notables in film, and they are also doing a Spielberg run. Oh, nice. I think they're currently, like, on hiatus for a a week or two. Um, Oh, that's right. But they they are great, and you should listen to their Spielberg season in tandem. Nice. Yes. We can see how you can compare and contrast. Yes. See how often they bring up the Shabros in their Spielberg discussion. (laughs) I guarantee it's not going to be as much, since everyone else knows to stay cool about it. (laughs) No, that was a couple weeks ago. That's a different Spielberg. Boy, boy. Crazy boy. <laughs> Let's end this podcast. Please do. Uh, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Join us next time for another pile of garbage. Wee wee. Oh, would you like to hear me tell a joke? Yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear a joke from you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs>